We put them to the test, and here's the best of the best. This is uh, David Osman. I'm on the road for Radio Free Oz here in Gay Paris. And I'm beside the runway here at the celebrated Salon of the notoriously controversial haute couture designer Yves Sansstuhl. <laughs> Bonjour, Yves. Welcome to my Salon, David. Uh, we have just a moment before the showing starts for my latest collection, Toxique. Toxique, huh? Well, Yves, you're probably best known for your squid <laughs> agony boots. <laughs> you, you introduced them at your first Salon back then in uh, 1980, right? Well, I have them here in the case, the, the prototype of the agony boot. Oh, that's the look of the 80s, the cowboy styling. The fashion of President Reagan. He may have been brain dead, but the man knew how to wear that cowboy look. Uh-huh, and this exotic leather. Polar what bear hide, the stripes of the Komodo dragon. Uh-huh, and this a very high heel, uh, lucite with the flashing lights. Well, the beautiful lights were made by the agony of the squid, uh-huh. who emits the electric pain every time the wearer steps on the heel, compressing this little petty Mollusk. Oh, wow. And, but you had to take them off the market. Peter brought me down. Uh, I told them that the squid has a happy life, safe in the heel of the Reagan boot, but they put a picket line in front of my door. What, what could I do? Well, I, I see the showing's about to begin here. Uh, the audience is very excited. You can tell me, uh, what are we going to see today in your show? Toxique uh-huh. presents disaster fashions. Uh-huh. As you know, I normally design for the humans, but with the crisis in the Gulf, I, I have turned my attention to clothing for the aquatic victims of this man-made tragedy. Oh, oh so dommage. <laughs> it is for Isan's stool to make it right for the poor animonist. Oh, well, oh, and here, here comes your first model. The exotic beauty Giselle showing my fabulous oil-repellent pelican briefs made from the freshly recycled wild bird feathers, a form-fitting, as you see, for the natural look of nature in the raw. Oh, that's timely, timely, Eve. And, and here comes your model, Raffaella. Ooh. She is wearing my dolphin slicker. Everyone knows the dolphin doesn't look so good coated in oil, so I've designed the tight-fitting sailor costume of oil-free oil cloth with a self-sealing flap for the blowhole. Oh, uh-huh, <laughs> that's very, very thoughtful. Okay, now this next model, Lauren well, Hutton, yeah. showing the turtle shell by shell. Turtles and models can all live forever with this tropical carapace of million-year-old ivory hand-carved by Froggy Island Boys. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, this must be the finale. It's uh, the, the bridal costume. Is that... For the first time, I show the bride in bed. Oh. The pollution-free happy oyster bed. I begin with a mattress of clean sand covered with the 700-count hazmat on the bottom, uh-huh. then spill-repellent cover-up linens, uh-huh. the fluffy pillows and duvet boom are stuffed with clippings from famous Hollywood poodles and gaga wings. Oh. And finally, the green war sham, sham for complete protection in the season of the hurricane. Well, well, uh, that sounds like a, a thrill. But the bride herself, uh, can you describe her outfit? Of course, uh-huh. money is dressed as a prototype of the jumper jail suit in Florida orange with stripes of bio blue. Oh, it looks pretty rugged. It has to be. I'm making it for the president of BP, Tony Hayward. <laughs> you will have to wear it a long, long time. Well, everybody seems very enthusiastic about that. Congratulations on your non-toxic showing. Yves Sanstool for Radio Free Oz. This is David Osman in Paris. Au revoir! Yo, you got Radio Free Oz on RadioFreeOz.com. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, my co-host, David Osman. Hey on, there, Oh, there you go. Yeah, right? I'm right here. Oh. Yeah, sure, right across the table. There you are, yeah, right. I was looking for you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I had to shove this guy out of my place. 
Do you Who? mind if the sheriff comes up? Man, he's, he's, he won't. Ta- he won't take no for an answer. Sit him okay, down. okay. Sheriff hey, Luther on. Axe Handle, hey, uh, Mr. County Mr. Island hey. Sheriff. Well, you got your report for today. Yeah, right? I got a go. good report for you today. I think there's less alien presence on the island than at any time I've seen before. Well, that's thoroughly uh, good news in uh, these troubled absolutely. times. Absolutely. On one busy weekend, uh, uh, on Saturday alone, uh, I don't know what to make of these, but. Uh, at 11.24 a.m., a caller found flip-flops on the deck of a home on Sandy Hook Drive that did not belong to anyone living there. Do you know, when they take them home, right? Yeah. Just like the rapture, all that's left is the flip-flops. Just the flip-flops. Well, the caller said it was suspicious as far as I'm, makes me they suspicious. were concerned. Then at 7.44 p.m., a caller on Shady Glen Lane said a neighbor was walking up and down his driveway and taking pot shots with his shotgun. Now, that's not aliens. That's rednecks. That's just that's rednecks. rednecks. You see why I'm saying it's just like that's not, I, I don't feel do that. that weird presence there anymore. No. And I, perhaps, That's just a very American thing to yeah, do. Yeah, walk up and down, blam, that's all right. We got laws in this county that permit that sort of thing. Uh, okay, the only other thing besides dead dogs and deers and a man who found a woman's purse in front of his home. Oh, that now that uh, is an invitation to thing. alien. I won't get it. Okay, don't go there, sir. Uh, at 10.55 a.m. on Thursday, that was the 10th of June, a caller reported a suspicious boy on a blue women's bicycle on Bayview Road. It's an alien because aliens don't know from the gender of bicycles. They're constantly going by. Well, I was thinking a suspicious boy. I mean, how did the caller determine the suspiciosity of this boy? I don't know. Perhaps he just thought the boy looked suspiciously at him. Well, anyway, Mr. Bredman, thank you for, I I think we may have been uh, uh, through now the serious alien siege, but if I find any more suspicious news uh, on the sheriff's report, I'll be right back on the show to tell you about it. You do just that. All righty. So long, sir. So long. Time Magazine says if you've never heard of alcoholic energy drinks, you're almost certainly over 25. Well, you can be over 25 and know about energy drinks, Oh, they're everywhere. I mean, we're being chased by the Red Bull. We are all Red Bull matadors one way or the other. You stop by on the highway into the 7-Eleven or the gas station, and it's, you know, it's like rock star jolt and Red Bull everywhere so that we can stay up and drive across the country and back without, without going to sleep. Or we have visions of, you know, software coders with Red Bull cans all over their desks, you know, drinking them until they pass out of their parents a victim or whatever. But here we're talking about alcoholic energy drinks. They're sold in tall, narrow cans that carry teen-friendly names such as Sparks, Tilt, and Juice, J-O-O-S-E. How clever. This is like camels uh, putting out the, um, the cigarettes for teenage girls and passing out party purses and things with it. These people belong in jail in hell. Like other flavored malt beverages, alcoholic energy drinks contain a lot of sugar and flavoring. Mmm, now that's good. The difference is that this new generation of malt beverages also contains stimulants. 
A typical can can have about as much caffeine as a venti cup of Starbucks, along with additives like guarana and ginseng that can rev the central nervous system. I was told by my Chinese medicine doctor long ago that you don't touch ginseng, which they also call vitamin X until you're 50 years and older. So we're just basically degenerating the nervous systems of our youth. Uh, They don't have problems enough, the abused generation. We have to poison them. And that's what, actually, that's what public health and law enforcement officials are worried about. Though flavored malt beverages make up less than 2% of alcohol servings in the U.S., alcohol policy experts have long worried that many of those servings are consumed by minors who have no palate for real beer yet. The new alcoholic energy drinks even have a further pull on the youth market, the promise that you can get drunk but still party all night because of the caffeine. Man, I'm so drunk, but I'm so awake. I can so party and so dance. At least I think I am. Yeah, quite drunk. That's how you get juice, for for instance, has the color and approximate flavor of strawberry soda. I can imagine what their flavor of strawberry soda is. Excuse me while I virtually throw up on the air. But it's 9% alcohol. That's 18 proof compared with 5% for a typical can of Bud. That's almost as much as wine. So you're drinking wine with caffeine. What a life! Law enforcement officials want tighter regulations on the drinks. Mm -hmm. Me too. Maryland Attorney General Douglas Gansler, a Democrat who is helping lead a national campaign against the beverages, calls them disgusting. I'm with you, Doug. He elaborated, the caffeine is a stimulant that triggers the false impression that, that kids can drink more and still function normally. The kids won't recognize they're actually drunk, and then all of a sudden, over a short period of time, it goes bam, and they're gone, and so are the people on the road in front of the car they've been driving. Mixing alcohol, a depressant with stimulants, is nothing new, of course. The Irish have their Irish coffee, and they put liquor in everything, certainly in themselves. And any authentic Italian restaurant certainly offers something called Caffè Corretto. It's a shot of espresso mixed with a shot of grappa. Uh, or Sambuca. I mean, you can't drink grappa alone. It's like drinking jet fuel. The, well, actually, this Cafe Corretto translates as corrected coffee. <laughs> but alcoholic energy drinks are different because they are so obviously marketed to kids. Ads are found mainly online or in publications like Blender. <laughs> the Sparks website looks like it was designed by a very young, very flash-savvy student. This is criminal behavior! Last year, such concerns prompted Gansler and the attorneys generals from 26 other states to write to Anheuser-Busch complaining about a particular alcoholic energy drink called Spikes. S-P-Y-K-E-S. Clever again. Them spin masters on Madison Avenue are being overpaid, and they have no moral values. That drink, which was sold in such juvenile flavors as hot mangoes, spicy melons, and hot chocolate, where clearly aimed at girls. The small spikes bottle could fit easily into a pocketbook, probably the pocketbook given to them by camels. Anheuser-Busch responded by removing spikes from the market, although the industry says alcoholic energy drinks are not intended for those under 21, and that any marketing designed to appeal to legal drinkers in their early 20s has to look youthful. Yeah, 50-year-old women have to look youthful. Everybody has to look youthful. Or you don't get laid or you don't get paid. And I would impeach him. 
And if that's not enough, some of you men own taverns. Sam, you are a brewer. Mr. President, a distiller. You know how tough it is to run a small business without a tyrannical government on your back. Today, we have an internal revenue service that enforces what they call a progressive income tax. You'll love this. Every year, if not every quarter, we're basically required to spy on ourselves, report what we earn, who we hire and fire with an all-powerful separate court system. Without representation, they can increase taxes, add costly regulation, or perform malicious audits. Now this same IRS is going to force us to buy health insurance. Cram it down our throats or else. Now I took an oath to defend that with my life. Now, I can't stand by while these evils are perpetrated. You gentlemen revolted over a T-tax. A T-tax! Now look at us. Are you with me? Gather your... I'm Rick Barber, and I approve this message. You're you're Rick Barber, and you are fatotsed, no, fatotsed, no. fatocked. <laughs> where, where is he running for what, what, Pete? Well, let's just call it Alabama, shall we? All right. <laughs> is yeah, that he, enough to say? And is he a Democrat? Not. Not. Oh, my. And how about the actor that did Gather Your Armies? I'm sorry. I mean, that's why they have Hollywood. That's yeah. why, you know, what if they'd have called us to do that voiceover? I'd have done more like... Gather your armies. That's good. I, I, let me, let's try, let me, well, why let me don't try you try it, it again? You know? what are, you, are you with me, Mr. President, Mr. Distiller? Gather your armies. Better than me. You got it. You got the job. Okay, that's good. I need the money. Recently, Obama issued a statement marking the 47th anniversary of the Equal Pay Act. That's the federal legislation that uh, sought to end gender-related wage discrimination. He noted that ongoing wage inequalities, uh, you know, they go, they're still going, and women continue to earn 77 cents for every dollar earned by men, except for Meg Whitman, who, by the way, is going to put $150 million into her own campaign to become governor of California. So the glass ceiling is not her problem. Her problem is she's running against Jerry Brown, and he's going to whoop her butt. Unfortunately, Obama in this message failed to mention the recent judgment against Swiss pharmaceutical company Novartis, one so enormous that it could do more to resolve the persistent wage gap than any government measure. This comes out of Newsweek, by the way. The Novartis verdict issued just last month was record-breaking by, by many measures. The jury ruled that the company, which for more than a decade has been listed among the top 100 companies to work for by Working Mother, had discriminated against its female employees in pay and promotions for at least five years, from 2002 through 2007. During the trial, Novartis employees testified about a boss who refused to hire women because he said, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes flex time, and a baby carriage. He should have rhymed it. Well, he's Swiss. Maybe it rhymes in Swiss. Then there's the manager who invited his female colleagues to sit on his lap and show them pornographic pictures. That's just bonding with his employees. Let's get close. And, of course, there's the company trainers who routinely told female employees not to get pregnant, certainly not by him or her. The 12 women who testified were awarded $3.3 million in compensatory damages, while Novartis was held liable for an additional $250 million in punitive damages. Nearly 5,600 other female employees can now file for individual damages that could amount to upward of $200 million in damages. It was far and away the largest penalty ever associated with a gender discrimination lawsuit, and many were quick to deem it precedent-setting. Within the next year, the Novartis case will be followed by a potentially larger complaint against Walmart. Ah, the great Walmart of China. That case has been tied up in court since 2001, 
I think they probably hired every lawyer in the United States. But in April, a federal appeals court, a few judges they couldn't get to, ruled it could proceed as a class action. Walmart has said it will appeal that decision. If it does go to trial, it stands to be the largest civil rights class action suit in history. Thank you, Selma. I just want to say that I've been really good to myself, and I'm really getting high on myself, and I really like what I'm doing. One, two, three, four. And I whoops, I got exploring. I walked the train yards, I stalked the highways. Late night statements down in a basement. You're gonna say that's on my way. I'm Nazi Gorin. Nobody's a woman love to me. I'm continental, I'm never mental. I can't just whip, it's a tip. I'm a Catholic gentle, you let the rain pour, what does it matter? I'm bigger and bolder, Charlie, I'm black, oh yeah, and I'm a whole lot fatter. I'm Nazi Gorin, how come I, nobody's a ballin' fool me? Yes, folks, it's very hard to be a gorilla, but I gotta tell you something. Everybody's got a gorilla inside him. And uh, sooner or later, Charlie, you're gonna have to let him go. And when you do, he's uh, gonna walk. And when that gorilla walks, he's gonna walk a little something like this. In Indonesian, fried noodles are prison. But I'm a gorilla, I can't listen. Is a warning, a poor me. That's all, folks. Well, Pete, I I know there's probably more news on the teabagger front out there at the at the weird, really curious fringe. Well, curious, dangerous fringe. I have to Uh-oh. say, I didn't used to think so. I thought no. they were just you know from another space, but they're not. Sort of they're- like. Like those blow-up toys you you see at the circus that you can punch and you some know, of them are like, about to blow up. One oh. of them is Sharon Angle, right? Okay. She's running against Harry Reid because she beat the woman who said you should trade chickens for health care, which brought her down entirely. Even though she was like a, a former TV anchor and a babe. Now we got this Sharon Angle, who by the way uh, went and spent some time in Washington with uh, Republican senators, and they said she'll be ready for the press in six weeks. This is the Sarah Palin factor, okay? They ain't failing She'll like She'll be Palin. ready for the presidency in, in eight. In, in, and in eight, right. Yes, just we're learning to just like, you know, we're, we're manicuring her finger for the button. Okay, there you go. Sharon Angle, right? Yes. In an interview in January, so this is her recent thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Angle appeared to float the possibility of armed insurrection if this Congress keeps going the way it is. Now, what 
bothers me is not the call to armed insurrection because it is a democracy and we're based on revolution and you can run down the street calling for it and that's that's protected speech. Yeah, right? just don't try to start one because Jake or Beaver and his cohorts are there to stop it. Go yeah, no, nothing can stop them from, from even improperly stopping you for sure, a while. Sure, of course. Yeah, but what, right. what really bothers me is what she said and I think this is the mantra, or at least the meta mantra of the teabag dips. If this Congress keeps going the way it is, that's nothing. Uh-huh. That's everything. That's just this vague foreboding. It's got. It's turning. It's turning normal governance into what? Che Maoist Stalinism, as far as they're keeps concerned. Going the way it's going. Well, that uh, means the way trust. it is. No, the, the way, way it, it, the way it is. is. They're the not me. The way it is. They're responsible for my angst and abuse and and the fact that it, things just aren't as. Fun as they used to be. All right. The interview, she, she gave yep. it to a right-wing talk show host, right? Okay. And she approvingly quoted Thomas Jefferson saying it's good for a country to have a revolution every 20 years. She forgot, of course, that Texas has made <laughs> Thomas Jefferson irrelevant by taking him out of the, the uh, text textbooks books, yeah. and replacing him with, I think, an equal mind, Phyllis Schlafly. Okay. <laughs> And she said, now here's what she said, yeah. Thomas Jefferson, good for revolution. She said that if yeah. Congress keeps it up, keeps it up. Keeps it up. Keeps it up. Keeps going the way it is. Uh-huh. These people are brainless. Uh, people may find themselves resorting to Second Amendment remedies. Second Amendment, Amendment remedies. remedies. Remember the sign, you know, with yeah. guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. What's oh, more? I get that. The talk show host it's said It's evasive, she's, but I get it. Yeah. The talk show host said there was no doubt she was floating the possibility of armed insurrection as a valid response if Congress continues along its current course. What does that mean? Well, that means they aren't... They, they, yeah. Well, seriously... <laughs> Seriously, it has something to do with the, the the rush toward a socialist state that is what the the wingnuts seem to see in the future by providing health care for everybody. No, they're right, but it's going to take a lot longer. <laughs> see, they're going to be long gone, but they're right. The, the tip has been made. Not that I'm like a huge pro-socialist. The fact is that government, which is people, is needed in larger units to solve certain things that are larger than individuals. That isn't like, you know, uh, uh, Paul Pot, you know, meets Che. This is just what's happening in a larger, more complicated world. I think it's people who have a, a bird's eye view, as it were, of the country. I mean, there's there's more statistics going on now than there ever has been. Every day there's another group of statistics that send the stock market into berserkerdom, you know. In either direction. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Sell, buy, long, short, who cares? Well, Greek bonds are junk. Ah, but they were de-junked by the unjunked people who adjunctly sent in the money to re-junkify them. Well, I'm going to buy. I'm going to sell. And what? they're both right. And they both lose. There you go. And always will. Hey, listen, if you think the law is 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 weird, the Arizona law. Okay, since we're talking at the edge of we said sanity we not, here. Let's we talk not. Arizona. Okay, lawmakers have turned of course, uh, um, racial profiling into official policy. Okay, here's here's a few of the other laws they've passed recently. Um, uh, 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 let's see. Wait a minute. This is from Harper's, and 
Here it is. One bill, another new law, bans the funding of any ethnic studies programs in the public schools. A third prohibits intentionally or knowingly creating a human-animal hybrid. (laughs) That's always something that concerns me when I tool through the the Phoenix suburbs. Somebody in one of those tractomes is hybridizing animals. Animals and humans. Lawmakers declared February 8th the Boy Scout holiday... They took time out to discount fishing license fees for Eagle Scouts and approved a constitutional right to hunt. This is all going on in the Arizona legislature. I wonder if they have a constitutional right for Boy Scouts to hunt homosexuals in Arizona since they're are no homosexuals officially in the Boy Scouts, certainly not the ones that are leading them, right? Certainly not. They're all working for the Catholic Church or Cardinal Mahoney or, or some other charitable, you know, zero-sum organization. Okay, to, to, to drop another teabag into the already... Dip on. <laughs> ...brewing stew here, in January, Senator Jack Harper, an immaculately combed zealot... I'm quoting, the, I'm, I'm quoting the, the, the Harper's editor. Uh, an immaculately combed zealot who speaks in the patter of an infomercial voiceover submitted a bill that would allow faculty members to carry guns on university campuses, saying it was, quoting, one very small step in trying to eliminate gun-free zones where there's absolutely no one who could defend themselves if a terrorist incident happened. Like Kent State, right? You're right. If the National Guard came and decided to start shooting at you, you wouldn't have your 357 Ruger, you know, alligator grip, double chambered, you know, well, block well, ready to take Senator somebody Jack, out. doesn't matter who. Senator Harper's going to have it. Okay, the House passed, this is Arizona, The House passed a measure that would force President Obama to show his birth certificate to state officials if he runs for re-election. This is Mercer Berther. Okay. Right? Arizona. He's a Hintville hyena. As well as a bill that bars Arizona from entering into any program to regulate greenhouse gases without approval from the legislature. There are only two ways to vote on this, said Representative Ray Barnes. Yes. It was named after the barn, by the way. Yeah. What are you going to call what? Ray. Ray Barnes. Ray Barnes. That works. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Or face the East in the morning and worship the EPA because they own you. Pentagon investigators are trying to determine the whereabouts of the Australian-born founder of the secretive website WikiLeaks for fear that he may be about to publish a huge cache of classified State Department cables that, if made public, could do serious damage to national security, government officials say. And this according to the blog The Daily Beast, one of my favorites. The officials acknowledge that even if they found the website founder, his name is Julius Assange, it is not clear what they could do to block publication of the cables on WikiLeaks, which is normally based on a server in Sweden and bills itself as a champion of whistleblowers. American officials said Pentagon investigators are convinced that Assange is in possession of at least some classified State Department cables leaked by a 22-year-old Army intelligence specialist, Bradley Manning of Potomac, Maryland, who is now in custody in Kuwait. I would not like to be in his shoes or in his non-shoed feet. And given the contents of the cables, the feds have good reason to be concerned. Manning, while posted in Iraq, apparently had special access to cables prepared by diplomats and State Department officials throughout the Middle East regarding the workings of Arab governments and their leaders, according to an American diplomat. 
Oh my, my, Hillary Clinton, eat your heart out. The cables, which date back over several years, went out over interagency computer networks available to the Army and contained information related to American diplomatic and intelligence efforts in the war zones in Afghanistan and Iraq. Oh my. Last week, Assange was scheduled to join famed Pentagon Papers leaker Daniel Ellsberg for a talk in New York. But instead, Assange appeared via Skype from Australia saying lawyers recommended he not go back to the United States. He was in the States recently when he gave press interviews to promote the website's release of an explosive 2007 video of the American helicopter attack in Baghdad that left 12 dead, including two employees of the Reuters news agency. We used uh, the audio on that for one of our first collages on Daily Oz. Well, there's more. It's getting hotter and stickier. WikiLeaks is preparing to release a new video, this time showing the notorious U.S. airstrike on the village of Garani in May 2009 that killed roughly 140 civilians. While the U.S. has disputed the Afghan government's casualty figures, it put the number at only 20 to 30 civilians, only 20 to 30, it's probably 140, and said that twice as many militants had been killed in the strike. Oh, that's good. Two militants for one civilian. Now, there's an algebra I like. A military investigation concluded that U.S. personnel made significant errors during the attacks. The Garani airstrike is believed to be one of the deadliest attacks in terms of civilian casualties since the U.S. invasion. American officials were unwilling to say what would happen if Assange is tracked down, although they suggested they would have many more legal options available to them if he was still somewhere in the United States. But to protect the site from attack by intelligence agencies, Assange has placed WikiLeaks on several internet servers, making it all but impossible for any government to shut down the site. This is good. This is good, good, good. This is open Kimona international relations. We're hiding everything behind national security. Our only national security is openness and doing no harm. Okay, Dave, you and I take Arizona on all the time because it is wing nut central. But you don't have to be in Arizona to be a true American wing nut. No. No. Iowa is just is hometown. Hey, Representative yeah. Steve, right? Steve, okay. The Alvin Green of Iowa King. This is according to Jason Lincoln's in the Huff, right? Okay. He's a Republican in Iowa. Is back to extol the, vir- the virtues of racial profiling, right? Which Arizona has put in the news and mm-hmm. is, is basically mm-hmm. it's the center. You want to learn racial profiling, you go down to Arizona. So, so long, he says, he's in for racial profiling as we're talking about law enforcement rounding up the Browns. Now, okay. I don't, does that mean Latinos or you know, does it mean your neighbors? You know, it's everybody, everybody lives no, next no, door no, to the Browns. Uh, the Browns. No, uh, I believe that the census says, uh, are you, uh, you know, there's white and not it's, white. And then there's, but Latinos are considered to be white. White. So there's no Browns. Brown. No, there's, I guess an African-American could be considered brown, but that isn't what he means. He's talking about Hispanics. Right. Yeah. Because there aren't a lot of African-American undocumented people in the United States. They've all, you know, they were all long ago in Slave, that was a form of giving them their ticket. Well, they took, have their ticket, just took, like I do. I, we all got our ticket. I think we had to get it in one of the amendments, though. Well, yeah, maybe. So it all went down in a speech recently in the House of Representatives. See these states' House of Representatives. We should be hanging out there because there's some great stuff going down. In which King defended the new Arizona immigration law and his oration. King said that racial profiling is okay as long as it isn't being used in a discrimination 
discriminatory fashion. <laughs> that racial profiling is okay as long as it's not being used in a discriminatory fashion. Uh, I'd like to congratulate you, sir, for your excellent uh, uh, use of language. And uh, he's, he's two places at once. This guy is hanging out in both directions sense. on the Mobius Strip. Yes, he seems to be a wee bit confused on the concept of racial profiling, says Jason. <laughs> and uh, goes on to say that, uh, well... He is a little upset, uh, but he he thinks that that if you go on and suggest that law enforcement officials are only making use of common sense indicators, then people will accept racial profiling because that's all it is. One of these common sense indicators, footwear. And that was the more common sense on the common sense indicators. They got the most. Actually, apparently, cops can use their sixth sense also. No, not to see dead people, but to single out illegal immigrants. So but footwear I- and intuition. By their shoes? By their shoes, by their footwear. I guess he thinks that all undocumented people wear hirachis. BP isn't standing alone with one foot on the ground and the other in its mouth. No, since the spill began in April, Republicans have demonstrated an exceptional tendency to blurt out their inconvenient beliefs about the disaster and the federal response. All right, in chronological order, the top six GOP oil spill slip-ups. Number one. Rand Paul. This is the man who certified himself. The question being, of course, has he always been certifiable? Back when the Kentucky Senate hopeful was still flapping his gums on national television, he let slip he wanted the Obama administration to leave BP alone. Quote, this sort of, you know, I'll put my boot heel on the throat of BP. I think that sounds really un-American in his criticism of business. Paul said on Good Morning America. Un-American? Interestingly enough, finally, the use of that crummy epithet is going poorly with all the political demographics, except the wingnuts in the Tea Party and the other 20% who believe, of course, that we never went to the moon. And if the Earth isn't flat, it's only vaguely rounded. Okay, number two, one of my favorites, Michelle Hairdo-Bachman. How this woman... This person, it's not a sex issue, how this person could come to be one of the leading voices, along with Sarah Palin, in the Republican Party is a sign of their imminent demise. Everyone's favorite Minnesota congresswoman, we'll be kind to her, took the opportunity of time on the House floor to rip the administration earlier last month, saying that the government was nowhere to be found after the Deepwater Horizon rig exploded. Except, of course, they actually arrived within hours. The kicker, though, is that Bachman, scourge of socialism, wondered out loud why the government hadn't commandeered privately owned boats to deal with that oil plume as it was coming up to the water. The plume doesn't come up to the water, Michelle. Back to school. Uh... See Geology 101. Now we come to Sarah Palin. Ah, Sarah Palin. I, I, I did take kind of an oath not to mention her all, not to give her any credence, but you just can't. Mama Grizzly's just too prominent. Okay, Sarah Palin, the former half-term Alaska governor. Remember, she quit. Nobody's talking about the fact that she's a quitter. She can't take the heat, and she she quit under an ethics scandal. No, it's just Sarah Palin, you know, the the burbly um, beauty queen. All right, the former half-term Alaska governor tried to capitalize on the spill with an unusually awkward, I told you so. Palin tweeted out to extreme greenies to gloat that the spill vindicates drill baby drill. 
with a caveat. Here's what, here's her tweet. Extreme greenies, see now why we push drill baby drill of known reserves and promising fines in safe onshore places like ANWR. Now do you get it? Wow, I sure get it, Sarah. Of course, her constant refrain has actually been that America should should allow drilling just about everywhere and right away. And what's safe about the ANWR? We'll just have to look into that. Number four, one of my favorite bozos from the South, Haley Barber. The Mississippi governor has repeatedly insisted that the oil spill isn't worth fretting over. It isn't anything like Exxon Valdez, he said. No, it's bigger, Haley. Well, well, that's what Barber claims because he ain't checking his facts. And he has compared the crude itself to caramel mousse, a nice oil caramel mousse dessert for Haley Barber. Make that too. He's a big man and a toothpaste. Now, (laughs) There's a flavor I haven't experienced in the morning. And also, he's compared it to the fuel sheen surrounding speedboats. I won't go there. Number five, John, eternal suntan bomber. I think the people responsible in the oil spill, BP and the federal government, should take full responsibility for what's happening here, Bomer said at his weekly press conference in June. Later that day, his office was forced to publicly say Bomer believes BP should pay for everything. Oh, really? The spill for which the federal government has got to take some responsibility. Ah, really? Republican and responsibility in the same sentence? Woo! End of the world. And my favorite, of course, and everybody knows about Joe Barton. <laughs> I love his quote. Here he is, you know, up uh, up there uh, looking at uh, Tony Hayward, that good-looking kind of guy, you know, with the nice hair, very charismatic. And he says, Tony, he didn't actually say Tony, but it sounds like a Tony. I think it's a tragedy of the first proportion that a private corporation can be subjected to what I would characterize as a shakedown. In this case, a $20 billion shakedown. That's what Barton said. I'm only speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for anybody else. He represents an entire district in Texas. I wonder how those people ever, ever voted for this beanbag. But he says, but I apologize. I do not want to live in a country where any time a citizen or a corporation does something that is legitimately wrong is subject to some sort of political pressure that is, again, in my words, amounts to a shakedown. So I apologize. Well, everybody, including bigwigs within his party, wants him to step down as a ranking member of the Energy Committee in the House. I join them in that. I think the man should be tarred and feathered and and railed out of town. But that's just me. But we'll be right back after this with more Joe Barton. Magog Brothers, Atlantis Carpet Reclaimer. Yes, yes my, my brother, brother Gog was wrong about, about the comet. How were we to know it would land right in the middle of our giant warehouse? It's a cataclysmic sail down here. We're flooded. We're over our poor heads in ramblings, burn ends, and labels from such naturally famous weaves as Royal Moo, Lemurian, Western S, and Munchkin Mills. Dog hairs, nerveball, slick snags, trip easy. We got them, you get them. Your nap will rise again, and that's my story. Good God, it's Magog Brothers, Atlantis Carpet Reclaimers, serving heater hellmouth and the low desert area. And we're back with more Joe Barton. In his 26 years in office, Congressman Joe has come up with some doozies, culminating with his apology, of course, to Tony Hayward for the Obama shakedown. Uh, 
oh boy, you know, the Republicans are trying to get him off the committee and the, the Democrats are pledging to just squeeze this situation as much as they can until the election. Well, here are five other Barton specials, you know, the not so finest moments of this Texas congressman. Number one, Barton is a longtime denier of global warming. He's called it a triumph over good sense and science. And in 2007 in hearings, he told Al Gore, you're not just awful little, you're totally wrong. In railing against House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's passage of global warming legislation last year, Barton said, you can't regulate God. Not even the Democratic majority in the U.S. Congress can regulate God. Okay, time for number two. Now, this is one of my all-time favorites. Remember, this is coming from the mouth of a U.S. congressman who is actually elected by U.S. citizens, not by aliens from Neptune. Be afraid. Be very afraid. All right. Barton has used the threat of global warming to combat something he hates even more, wind energy. In a 2009 hearing, Barton implied that wind is a finite resource and that harnessing it would slow the winds down and would cause the temperature to go up. It doesn't get better. Number three, during the 2005 energy bill negotiations, Barton earned the nickname Smokey Joe from environmental groups for championing MTBE, a gas additive that's made in his district, which turned out to be a highly dangerous water pollutant. Number four, in discussing, what else, energy legislation, Barton said in a press conference that Representative Henry Waxman didn't have the nuts to pass his energy bill in May 2009. He then followed with the admission, too much guffawing, nor do I. He explained twice how this metaphor was taken from Texas Hold'em, where having the nuts means having the best hand. But everybody in the room, laughing like sixth graders, heard only nuts, nuts, nuts. And number five, when talking about climate change on C-SPAN in March 2007, Barton attempts to discount climate change studies by explaining that temperature is determined by cloud shape. But his discussion of the various shapes Quote, tall clouds or skinny clouds, short clouds, fat clouds, high clouds, low clouds, comes off more as Sesame Street science. Well, we do live in a, in a free country, Peter. We no, certainly do, no, and we're free to be free. That's right. That's right. Among those, those things that, are, are, that, the, uh, that the extreme Muslim uh, uh, governments or mm, policymakers are opposed to, uh, it, a curious list. So, uh, watching soccer games, we we went into that. Right? They can't watch and the can't World watch Cup, the... although that's what everybody right. wants to do. And they can't wear bras. They of course, also outlawed bras. Now, my question is, how can you know the sheriff of Al Shabab? No, go around and say. You know, ma'am, you're wearing a bra. This is completely, I mean. How would he know? That's it. How do you find a bra under a burqa? It's terribly intrusive. Okay. You know? That's not the only body problems we're going to talk about. No. Are there more body problems? Yeah, I got Fat is a body problem. (sighs) Scientists say that being fat can be bad for the bedroom, especially if you're a woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. European researchers found that obese women had more trouble finding a sexual partner than their normal weight counterparts. This isn't true for obese men, though. Okay. They, they have no problem. Uh, yet the fat women have a bigger problem with unplanned pregnancy. Okay. But fat men 
have a higher rate of erectile Wait, dysfunction. So, the, the sociological statistics, right? Sociological statistics. They, you know, 214 men interviewed separately, one on the pill, one off the pill, and one who didn't know his name. Right. You know? Well, you know, while we're in the body consciousness stuff, a whole page in the New York Times on men's body hair. Like, there are countless products to take hair off your back yeah now, can you imagine are there many products to put it back on I'd no so, no there no, are that well that's the law of thermodynamics it doesn't work no, in both see, ways they, here's the government laws if you pass a law against you know uh, against wearing a bra because it's sort of anti-muslim uh, if you think by, about by it only that by way. some people's only description people. there's yes. nothing official remember there is no official muslim church so no one speaks for all muslims no, the problem I, is they speak for like 3,000 of them. Yeah, and well, this is Al-Shabaab and his crew and his, his group. How do they confront shaving men's backs? I mean, if you look at America, I'm talking, I'm, I'm trying to be I'm looking at America here. right now here, as you speak. We're looking at America from, from far from away. And what we see is a full page about how you can shave your back. This is not going to get us friends in the Middle East. You gotta love Tony Hayward because he's such an upper class klutz. He always makes the wrong move. Count on it. Well, this time, one environmentalist described as yet another public relations disaster for the embattled energy giant BP, the fact that their CEO, Tony Hayward, took time off just recently when things are pluming underwater to attend a glitzy yacht race around England's Isle of Wight. As social networking sites like Twitter and Facebook lit up with outrage, BP spokespeople rushed to defend Hayward, who has drawn withering criticism as the public face of BP's halting efforts to stop the worst oil spill in U.S. history. And perhaps, if, you know, we can keep that old Guinness spirit going, it may be the worst oil spill in the planet's history. Spokeswoman Sheila Williams said Hayward took a break from overseeing BP efforts to stem the undersea gusher in the Gulf of Mexico so he could watch his 52-foot yacht, Bob, participate in the J.P. Morgan Asset Management Round the Island Race. This is filled with nothing but negative buzzwords. Let's take them one at a time. Okay. First of all, he's taking off some time from, you know, overseeing their efforts. So of course, he doesn't oversee their efforts. All he does is speak about them and make, make trouble because he just constantly has his foot in his mouth. Okay. He's got a 52-foot yacht named Bob. What does it say about a guy who names his 52-foot yacht? That's a heck of a boat. Bob, not Tahiti surprise, dream of my life, whatever, just Bob. And he's participating in the J.P. Morgan Asset Management Round. I mean, what could be more negative right now in the midst of the Wall Street collapse than the J.P. Morgan Asset Management Race? It's a race to the bottom. Yes, who names a yacht Bob? Robert Wine, a BP spokesman uh, at the company's uh, Houston headquarters, said it was the first break that Hayward has had since the Deepwater Horizon rig exploded April 20th, killing 11 workers and setting off the undersea oil gusher. He needs a break from that. He's spending a few hours, they say, with his family at a weekend. I'm sure that everyone would understand that, Wine said. He'll be back to deal with the response. It doesn't detract from that at all. Yeah, you're out of work. You've had your fishing business 
business destroyed. You're a rig worker looking at no employment for years in the future, right? But you're happy. You're happy that Tony could go off and watch a J.P. Morgan asset management race with his 52-foot boat called Bob. He said Hayward will be returning to the United States, though it's unclear when. Perhaps never, if he keeps doing this. Still, hobnobbing with millionaires and their yachts is likely to be a hard sell in the Gulf, which is struggling to deal with up to 120 million gallons of oil that have escaped from the blown-out well. Well, maybe Tony should be out there on Bob with one of those wet vacs, (laughs) you know, you know, sucking up some of that oil. You know, Tony, make yourself useful. Well, Peter, you know, I like to uh, go through the New York Times in the uh, the business section, which I never used to read. And then I got on to reading it because in the Times there's these weird things about advertising. And suddenly you've got, because it's two, you know, other people who are in the know talking about this, they have no um, no sense of the ironic no. or, or of the weird at all. So uh, this is just a little, a little bit. There is apparently a new Mariah Car- Carey uh, uh, line of fragrances, the Lollipop Bling line, uh, Elizabeth Arden uh, fragrances based on ring pops. Now, here's a world that I want you to really get inside. I'm still with you. I know what a ring pop is. I know what a ringtone is. Uh I've got uh, Elizabeth Arden. Of course, she's dead for ever so long. This is vampire juice she's pushing. Okay. Yes, it is. All right. All right. This is is, uh, the backstory. Founded in 1938 by brothers Abram, Ira, Philip, and Joseph Shoren, Topps Chewing Gum, as it was then known, introduced Bazooka Bubblegum in 1947 and in 1953 began including a tiny comic featuring Pudge Bazooka Joe. And Pudge. And Pudge. I grew up on Bazooka Joe and Me Pudge too. and knew all the time that it was grade C material. Even when I was eight, I knew I was reading real hackorama. Well, apparently Bazooka Joe was modeled after Brother Joe. The company introduced. We used to carry yeah, a bazooka that, around yeah. that he brought back from Saipan and just really couldn't separate himself from. The company introduced its popular baseball cards in 1951 and the ring pop in 1977. Today, the ring pop, I can't believe this is serious. The tagline for the sale is the flavor's always on hand. That's what you, that's, when you buy a Mariah that, Carey or a ring. people millions of dollars to come up with year to come up with this. So now, Mar- now we have Mariah okay, Carey I'm, ring I'm, pop I'm getting, perfume. I'm getting there. I want to be there. I'm getting there with Hello you. Hello, Kitty. Okay. <laughs> All right. The uh, Ari Weinstock, the director of marketing for the confectionery division of Tops, not for the baseball card division, no. the confection, said that the brand was forecasting record annual revenue this year. In the 52 weeks that ended May 16th, it posted $14.9 million in revenue, outpacing other novelty candies like Pez and Pop Rocks. Mm. Uh, um, in, in 2007, Tops was acquired, and I bet you didn't know this, Pete, Acquired by an investment firm led by Michael D. Eisner, the former head of Walt Disney. Okay. As and, a boy, and, as a boy, I said to myself, I'm going to own these ring pops someday. And, and his Michael part- Eisner's ring pops. His partner is Ryan O'Hara, the former president of the TV Guide Network. 
So here's some really high-class executives, okay, and they've bought the Ring Pop company. Okay, recent advertising campaigns have, quote, played up the emotional connection that people have with Ring Pops. Mr. Weinstock said, What we hit upon is that the Ring Pop is ultimately the only candy that you can show off, unlike a chocolate bar that you just consume. It's a a candy that you put on your finger and, and flaunt, and it transforms you from just eating a piece of candy to being in the spotlight. The Dark Side of the Internet They're out there on the web, sites that offer tips to successful purging or water-only fasts, others that list methods of hiding rapid weight loss from parents and doctors. This is from Mick Newspaper. If the proliferation of these pro-anorexia and pro-bulimia websites isn't bad enough, eating disorders experts say they now have to contend with pro-ana and pro-mia bloggers and thinspiration. Twitter updates sent right away to an interested party's mobile phone. You want to get into anorexia or bulimia? You want to hide it from your folks? You can get information right on your phone, which should self-destruct. They are reaching very vulnerable youth, says Dina Boroskowski, an associate professor in John Hopkins, um, Bloomberg School of Public Health. When you have the Internet used all times of the night, kids have easy access to it. It's anonymous. They can gain support for what they're doing and get plenty of information. 91% of the sites are open to the public, though many warn that wannabes should stay away. Wannabe anorexics and bulemics, like not the real thing, people who really don't want to like basically ruin their bodies. And about 79% of these sites had interactive features such as calorie and body mass index calculators. Let's find out just how thin I am. About 16% had a creed or oath to Anna, such as the thin commandments or 10 rules for eating disorders, such as thou shalt not eat without feeling guilty. We are raising a great generation here. Thou shall not eat fattening food without punishing oneself afterwards. Of course, upchuck it, cut yourself, look in the mirror and damn yourself. And there's others. Go up on the site, 10 ways to bring down your self-esteem and throw up at the same time. And also, what the scale says is the most important thing. Not the scale of intellect but the body mass scale. About 42% provided a venue for posting artwork and poetry, some of it disturbing. Some look at us and call us crazy, how little they really know. They pass us by and stare, like we're in some sickly show. Don't they see it's not us who is at fault? They kill their bodies with fats and grease, but we give our bodies nothing at all. It's real poetry. Thinspiration, such as photos or videos of very thin models and actresses, were on 85% of the sites, and about 43% provided specific instructions on concealing eating disorders, according to the study. Patients with eating disorders have been known to go to great lengths to hide their weight loss, explained Dr. Ira Sacker, an eating disorder specialist, including drinking lots of water before they're weighed and hiding weights in their clothes. Previous research suggests that teens exposed to pro-eating disorder websites do have higher levels of body dissatisfaction compared to adolescents that have not been exposed. Why am I not surprised? Other studies found that teens who spend time in these sites tend to have harder-to-treat eating disorders, according to background information in the study. 
My, oh my, we have only a thin chance of getting these people into the real world. All good things may have to come to an end, Dave. I mean, that may be part of the laws of thermodynamics. That entropy just can't be resisted, but not without a Tang poem. And since we've just left spring behind, let's do our last spring Tang. Very good. This is by Lee Shang Lin, and it's called Spring Rain. And considering the spring we've had here, it's a pretty good idea. Spring Rain. Moping in bed in a white coat while spring goes on outside. The white gate is desolate, and we seldom get what we want. I can barely make out the red chamber through this cold rain. The beaded lamp sways slightly as I come home alone. Faraway roads are sad in this spring twilight. Waking near morning, confused by my own dreams... I'd like to send you this letter and these jade earrings. One wild goose is flying across a thousand miles of cloud. Well, maybe you can't always get what you want, but I hope Oz is what you want, and you'll be with us tomorrow because you want some more. The Oz Team. Peter Bergman, say moi, your host. David Osmond, say Louis, your co-host. Louis. John Cummings, who put us together with the ones and zeros at the get-go. Phil Fountain, the chief designer at the Oz Design Group. Mm, what class. Tom Gedwillow, he keeps the web going because he's our webmaster. Chaz Glass tells it like it is and puts it on a spreadsheet. Dave Maloney does all the recording. He's such a smart guy. Bill McIntyre is our producer and knows more about things that I don't know about than I could possibly know. And then there's Scott Wilde, who is our social media guru and also the man that's building our new website. Love them all. See you tomorrow.